You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliff. He's on the other side of the goal line. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, hey. How you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, at least we got two of those this week. Yay! <laughs> at least for that, right? I mean, you got to think positive, right? As long as you're scoring points, you're, you're at least on the right track. Now you just got to find a way to score more points than your opponents. Yeah. And the game was in the, the game was in to me was in two halves. The first half was me screaming at the top of my lung, "Fuck you!" And I'm sure many people heard it, including those those parents who put uh, put earmuffs over their kids' uh, ears. So, mm-hmm. and it was, can it was, confirm. Yes, and it, it was it like, oh, you confirmed that that they had ear, the hands over their kids' ears. <laughs> Oh yes, uh, your 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 character was just uh, unreproachable. <laughs> oh. Just, uh. but the second half was better. It still was a loss. the The score, I, you know, sometimes they say the score was it was not indicative of what the score was, uh, of the how the game actually was. It is true for the first half. The second half, hey, if they gave points. Extra points for winning quarters like they did in the old Continental Basketball Association days. And please, I am so dating myself by saying this. So if nobody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> look up their quarter sc- look up their quarter scoring and you'll understand what I'm talking about. And the Owls would have gotten some more points. They would have gotten some points in that second half because they did outscore Ottawa 10-3. They sure did. In fact, if you just eliminate that second quarter entirely, yeah. if you somehow wipe Brad Sinopoli off the face of the earth... <laughs> it's a completely, completely different ball game. Yeah, I, I have heard uh, some of the other potties over in the... That sounds weird. <laughs> Potty, P-O-D-D-I-E-S, uh, from you know from the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network, and, and some of them are, are, are saying it's, it's, you know, the Owls did really, they did control. They did very well in defense. They were able to control. Alexson? They they weren't. I we knew that rushing was going to be a huge factor. I, I knew this already, just by based on what 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 he had put up last week for the Red Blacks or the last game for the Red Blacks. But yeah, Sinopoli was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that says it all right there. I mean, he was he was just playing like a man possessed. Uh, both he him and William Powell just uh, literally ran all over the Alouettes on uh, this past Friday. It was an uh, unbelievable performance on the, on both of them. And this is something I had warned about, is you've got to find a way to corral both Greg Ellingson and Brad Sinopoli. And the Alouettes, you said it, they were able to keep uh, Ellingson in check, but mm-hmm. I guess in doing so, they managed to let uh, Sinopoli loose, and he made them pay for it over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, I think it was just just crazy with the amount of targets that these was it in this game. It just was just mind blowing the amount of targets that, that these guys got. I'm looking at it here. Yeah, Sinopoli got 15 targets, dude. Uh huh. 11 catches, 148 and one. 
but to start the game, the, the, the start of the game was absolutely amazing, and it's what we've been wanting to see for, for, for most of this season. I know we're only four weeks in, but it's, it's something that we wanted to see. Yeah, again, you know, the Alouettes do lose 28-18. They start a new streak. Let's hope it's a short one. They Let's go, hope. They go into their first bye week of the year at 1-3. But again, this Eastern Division is really weird. Again. So almost anything can happen. Oh, it's true. And even the last week, uh, it was all doom and gloom for the Argos because Ricky Ray is essentially out for the season, if not for the rest of his, like his career is essentially hanging in the balance right now. Uh-huh. So everybody thought, okay, well, it's you know what's going to happen with the Argos, and lo and behold, they managed to pull up their socks and pull out a win against the, a very good Edmonton Eskimos team. Uh, really, t- the Tiger the Tiger Cats are playing like a house of fire, and that's without Johnny Mansell, like, mm-hmm. or, or as I'm now calling him, Johnny Clipboard, because the guy is just sitting on the bench and staying put, thanks to Jeremiah Masoli. And and again, the Red Blacks, they they this Noel Thorpe defense, uh, and as long as Trevor Harris is given a chance to get open and make plays happen, like he pulls stuff out of his ass that you just, I'm I'm flabbergasted at just how how well he manages to make something out of nothing, mm-hmm. and that's what this Eastern Division is in a nutshell. And then the Alouettes, you just the jury is still out. I mean, they're they're certainly not as terrible as everybody had expected them to be. But my word, there's a lot of things where, like, just lots of little things that need to be corrected, and just they need to tighten up on a lot of areas. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I mean, this Eastern Division, you're absolutely right, is just really weird this season. I know it's early, but it's just very peculiar, just how things are sort of shaping up already. Yeah. Uh, and again, it started off. The Alouettes deferred. They won the toss. Deferred to the second half. So Ottawa, uh, Ottawa just goes and, you know. Uh, how many? How many total plays was it? Seven total plays for and eighty-two yards for a touchdown. Uh-huh. And we're thinking, oh lord, here we go again. And then Alouettes get the ball, and it is something that we were we've been we have been used to in years past because I think I think at one point the the Alouettes were were just like killing it when it came to first possession touchdowns, and that's exactly what they did. They get the ball, they go five plays, fifty-eight yards, and they they themselves get a touchdown. But then from there, one, two, three, four, five, end of half, six, seven, eight. Hmm, you seeing a trend here? (laughs) (laughs) Eight straight punts before they get a touchdown. And and, and at that point, we're into the fourth quarter. And and the Alouettes are down 28 to... Eight? Yeah, 28 to eight. You know, this team, you know, Jeff Matthews did, he did a decent job. I mean, 18 to 30, 280. And one, mm-hmm. and most importantly, no interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think some. I think wasn't some of the interceptions they were they were saved by a penalty. I think it was. Was that yeah. what it was? Yes, yes. He did technically get picked off uh, by the Red Blacks, but uh, that was wiped out with a penalty. So, but that's what counts. Is that uh, there is at, at, at the end of the day, there is no interception for Matthews. Uh, again, I think overall he played a solid game. I still think a lot of the reads he was making were not very good, and I think uh, I'll give him credit. He was trying to make stuff happen, which is what Drew Willie has been very reluctant to do. Yeah, at least Matthews was willing to open things up and huck the ball downfield. So I'll, I'll give him Williams, props. Chris Williams set up that first TD. Yep. I mean, what a what a play, too, man! Thirty-three yards. Before, unfortunately, before the dude gets hurt, we have some we have a lot to talk about when it comes to injuries. Some what could be major injuries and what could be. The start of a 
of a new name in Montreal, but something that we'll talk about. Well, um, but, but you're talking about exciting plays. How about the for the second touchdown, that uh, absolutely beautiful strike to Gino Lewis? Oh, yeah. Uh, just a thing of beauty. And again, like everybody and, at this and point. And Gino had another week, one. Yeah, but he got. Now this is one thing I noticed, and I, I wasn't you because you were sitting a couple down, rows down from me. But where Gino got tripped up, he got you know caught by the turf monster. I swear to you, Cliff, that three players, two from the Owls, one from the Red Blacks, all slipped or tripped in that exact same spot, and it's that, it was that spot right after I don't remember what ad it was for in the uh, the East End Zone. Yep. Yeah, in the East End Zone, heading to the East End. And they, they all just slipped. I know. Maybe they uh, maybe the grounds crew at BMO Field is also doing double duty over Percival Wilson. Yeah, except they're working working with grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that came into the seven points there too because we I think we ended up coming away with a what did we come out on that touch, on that pass to Gino that he slipped? A, a, say was it was it the touchdown or was it a? Yeah, that was the touchdown for uh, uh, for making his debut for the Alouettes. Uh, one Chris Harper. That's right. That's right. So uh, overall, I mean, there are a lot more to talk about too, and we're not. There's not. It's not sour grapes because we've already talked to a few people that that we've been within the in the in the league and about some of these plays that shouldn't have been and, and what we knew they should be. Um, I think another huge positive cliff to take away from this was for the first time this year the Alouettes kept their penalties that were accepted in check. That's true. They, the the most penalized team in the, team in the league so far in 2018 are the Montreal Alouettes, but they managed to, at least in this respect, uh, keep their emotions in check and managed to not take quite as many stupid penalties, which no. is always nice. Yeah, only five for 52. I mean, even the Red Blacks had 104 yards, but that was based on, I think, the, Al- the Red Blacks had quite a few. Uh, and they have a few, quite a few personal uh, personal fouls, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and again, that comes down to, I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, Noel Thorpe, the the way he coaches is he's not out there to make friends. He's out there to make money and to win football games. And sometimes that means you got to, you know, I won't say play dirty necessarily, but at least play with an edge. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that a couple of the uh, Red Blacks players with that's probably their mindset is to, you know, if they give you an inch, take a football field and. It's only cheating if you get caught, right? So well, it should have been more. A couple of those calls that were replayed, anyways. Well, by the way, I want to. What's your What's your take? I think it's really ballsy on their on their, uh, really ballsy by them. Is what's your What's your take on the Red Blacks going for two instead of kicking, trying the extra point attempt? Well, it makes me wonder because I mean, their kicker this year, Lewis Ward, is actually not a terrible kicker. And he's actually made some pretty clutch kicks for the Red Blacks thus far this season. So I'm a little surprised. I don't know if it was just more of trying to show up the Alouettes or because it's the fact that it's a divisional game that you want to run up the points because of that, uh, you know, it does become a tar- tie-breaking point. God forbid if the Alouettes and the Red Blacks have equal records going into the uh, into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I'm personally a, a proponent of go for two every time because, I mean, it makes things a little bit more exciting. But... Uh, yeah, like, I can understand why some people would kind of think that the Red Blacks were trying to show up the LOS, and who knows, maybe they were. But uh, well, if that's yeah. the case, so is Calgary, because Calgary has a has a tendency of doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but yeah, usually you see you see that more often because you have no faith in your kicker. But I mean, honestly, like Ottawa's kicker is is, is more than capable. Montreal's kicker is more than capable. So, I mean, 
I could just I really this could be that kind of strategy or just trying to you know mess with mess with the uh, the Alouettes co- uh, and their their psyche. Yeah. Now, what's your what's your take too on on Terrell Sutton? Uh, him having one a, a huge hit that's been talked about uh, more positively because TSN really promoted it, and then coming out was it coming out today about uh, you know former Al Kyrie's a bear. Uh, talking about it in a negative way, which we'll talk about too, because I'm 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 gonna curious to I think it's pot calling a kettle black in this in this situation with mm-hmm. what he said. Um, what's your take? I mean, only, again, only 11 rushes for four, but for 41 yards. I swear, I thought it was more, dude. They only said his longest was nine yards. I could, man, I thought he had. I thought it was more. Yeah. Uh, unless it was that. Oh, or, or was it on that? What was the hit on a rush? No, it was on his on his long uh, his 24 yard reception, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. No. On his actual ground, like his rushing game was non-existent yet again, which is unfortunate. I, again, this is one of the things I just simply can't understand because, and you saw it too this past Friday. Is give this guy the ball and he's going to get yards for you. And I guess they figure, okay, well then let's throw him the ball as opposed to handing it off. Yeah, but, but that's so. always been the mo of a lot of the uh, of the of uh, 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 the OCs in Montreal because. They've always, you know, done very well when it comes to using their wide receivers as an outback. Uh, no, that's a restaurant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of using them as, you know, an all, as a checkdown player when it comes to, or a part of a screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's I'm I'm trying to calculate how many times one, two, three, four, five, six. I can count to ten. I promise. <laughs> Seven. Eight. So he had eight rushes in the first half, three in the second. Hmm. And yes, I understand they were back by eighteen, but still, you know, they it's like they gave it up in the first game versus versus BC where they were really behind, where they really weren't behind. Sort of similar to this one. It was given up when they were getting blown out by Winnipeg at home. Yep. And also, uh, too, they they shied away from it. Uh, mind you, uh, I think the run defense was a little bit better in Saskatchewan. And, uh, two Saturdays ago so that's in a sense a little understandable but then again you were able to open up the field against the Riders whereas this game against Ottawa uh, you saw bits and pieces of that but uh, again you really couldn't sort of establish any sort of rhythm and that's what's really trouble I found that really troubling especially too in the third quarter when we got to see Vernon Adams make his return, so to speak, to yeah, was, uh, Montreal. I was going to ask you about that too, but let, let me let me go over the stats real quick, and, and we can talk about some of this other stuff because there yeah. there were a lot of other things for concern, also, by the way, that, that we're looking at um, for the or they for the Alouettes. Um, Jeff Matthews, as I said, eighteen to thirty, two hundred eighty yards, and and one tutty. Uh, Tyrell uh, Tyrell Sutton was the leading. Rusher for the Gals, 11 rushes, 41 yards, a 3.7-yard average, and one touchdown. Uh, leading receiver for the team was uh, uh, B.J. Cunningham. Finally, a game for B.J. Cunningham. He's uh, Hopefully, he's finally gotten off the snide. Uh, seven targets, six receptions, 68 yards. Eugene Lewis, uh, only one re- reception, but uh, but three targets, but it was still it was for 65 yards. Uh, from there, Patrick Lavoie got into it. Uh, Stone uh, Ryder Stone got into it. Uh, Tyrell Sutton got into it. Uh, three receptions, 54 yards. Uh, Chris Harper, we're just going to talk about him. Four receptions, seven targets, uh, 27 yards in the touchdown. And then Chris Williams on a spectacular play we're talking about is a 33-yard reception. But man, um, 
it just it just the Owls got too far back again. As you said, if we could wipe out the second quarter and, and play NHL rules, where it's only three quarters, you know, or or you know maybe maybe the you know like in uh, was it in some games you you take you take out your bad hand one bad hand and one good hand. This is where <laughs> we take we take out the bad quarter. Yeah. Over uh, overall, what would you say? What would you give this team? I mean, I know the as you know as I mentioned before, it was a very frustrating first half. I felt that they could do a lot more. They imp- they impressed me a little bit more in the second, um, considering that they were to keep them in check. Uh, and hold Ottawa to three points, and they did make it close. Um, I don't th- think a lot of the yards that uh, Matthews threw for Cliff would were garbage because they were they tank they were still in the game. Yep, they were still in the game. So I mean, overall, I mean, what do you what do you think? Well, I agree. It's uh, definitely a, a slight improvement, especially when you put it next to the, that game against Winnipeg. It's definitely worlds better. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, there's just lots of little things that need to be tightened up a little bit. The O-line was practically non-existent during that second quarter. And I think they finally found their groove again uh, towards uh, towards the end of the game, which unfortunately became too little too, little too late for the Alouettes. Uh, I mean, as far as Matthews goes, I mean, overall, I have to say he did a, a decent job. Not fantastic, but I think this is kind of the, the hand we're dealt when it comes to the quarterbacking situation. Uh, I think... Do we, does he automatically start the next game? It's it's really hard to say, especially coming in off the bye and everything like that. But uh, again, I think there was a lot of things to like about the way he played the game, but there's just lots of little things that need to be cleaned up. And I guess I'd say that overall about the Alouettes. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of execution. And even Coach Sherman said in his postgame presser that they didn't execute on a lot of things. And I have to agree with that because just lots of little things had they just gone slightly differently would have made a huge difference in this game. It definitely would have been a lot closer. And again, the score does not, is not indicative of what we saw this past Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, now, now we get into the, I mean, it's coming out the bye week. I don't have it in front of me because I was going to use that for next week, what their record is coming out of a bye week. But there are also some things that were very concerning. Um, Player wise, we lose two of our, I guess we could say two of our most well-known, and I don't want to say, I don't necessarily they're both our fastest guys, but losing Chris Williams, um, I, I still don't know what he did. Uh, he tweaked something, and then we lose Stefan Logan late in the game. Um, and the TSN is funny how the, you know, I love the mic'd up game. Supposedly this was a great game for mic'd up, the mic'd up players, and supposedly the TSN feed and caught the uh, the trainers telling coach sherman that for stefan logan it was a high ankles so that which can be when when it comes to football and any sports unfortunately you know they, they could say you could hurt a knee turn and blow an acl whatever or tear an acl you can most likely come back at that but this a high ankle sprain is sort of like having arthritis is that a fair <laughs> is that a fair thing to say because it always seems to be that it, it, most likely it will come back if you're not careful yeah, and again, just the way that Stefan Logan plays football as well. I mean, like his his speed is something that, while he's, I, I've personally felt he's slowed down just a little bit over the past couple of years. He's still lightning fast, at, and he still competes at a very high level. So, I have to wonder when you factor that in with the fact that, again, he is not a young man anymore, and. As you get older, injuries like this are very difficult to uh, – you, you don't just bounce back so easily. So yeah. I'm I'm definitely concerned about that. I'm concerned to see if – I won't go so far as to say we've seen the last of Stefan Logan. But, yeah, that's going to have to weigh heavily on his mind as to when he does come back. I mean, 
worst case scenario, he does go on the six game injured list, and then maybe after that we might see might see him back. And if he does come back, will he come back at that same speed? Will he still have that same competitive fire? Will he still be able to play at that same level that we're accustomed to? Yeah, it's going to be so hard to say. But uh, I mean, losing that, losing Chris Williams as well, who is really starting to come into his zone, and really look like that player that we were promised as far as uh, like a very explosive competitive player uh, with speed for days i mean he's another one too that if logan had gotten hurt i would say well at least we have chris williams he could always return kicks if need be yeah but now that too looks to be in doubt so i'm hoping as far as speaking of players on the six game list though another speedster that we have that was on the list and may just end up having to come off early is tj graham i yeah. i've been very high on him for the past past year and a bit yeah. and uh, if he's able to go uh, both him and Ryder Stone, if they can return kicks, I, I think that could actually end up being a really good chance for both of those young men to prove that, hey, you know, I, I know we all love Logan, but uh, he's not—he's eventually going to call it a career. Someone's going to have to replace him. Why not one of us? And I think this would be the best chance for either of these two young men to step up to the plate and show what they have when it comes to returning kicks. Uh, again, they're both fast. They're both pretty strong. I would like to see what uh, those guys can do in a in an actual game situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, this is definitely unfortunate. So, I mean, the last thing any team wants to deal with is injuries, but especially to such valuable players like a Chris Williams or a Stefan Logan. But as it, as it always is in football, it's next man up. So, let's see who uh, who can step up to the plate now and. Uh, who can shine for the Alouettes? I think it's funny to say of, of the two injuries, it was kind, it was good. It's just a weird way of putting this. It was, at least Chris Williams was not carried off the field. He was able to walk. I think walk on his own into the into the locker room. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it was just so weird. I mean, I, I know, I, you know, and we know Stefan Logan is, is such a, a small guy. I mean, I think he's shorter than me, but he, he's still like a, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a speed demon, and it just. For see, for the him to be carried off the field, obviously it was very concerning. Um, to, yeah, because if, if you can't put any weight on that ankle, then you know that you 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 did something really bad to it. Yeah, so it makes me wonder if if of, of the two players, if Chris Williams will come back first. It's just a matter of when and how, or, or maybe just go the route you just mentioned too, because sometimes you need to give a couple of guys their their chance, and then they become superstars. Yeah, and also too, like the the injury to Williams, pretty much led to Chris Harper making his Alouettes debut. Yes, that's what we're talking about. Everybody was wondering who the hell is this guy? Like who? who I had to who's look this? Who's this number six? I had to look him up too. Exactly. And lo and behold, uh, he actually uh, was in training camp with the Argos this year. Uh, got released uh, last day, and here he is now with the Alouettes, and literally thrown into the fire, if you will, with the injury to Williams. Mm-hmm. And look what happens. He scores his first CFL touchdown. So, again, you never know where these superstars are going to come from. And I got to say, it was a very small sample size, but I actually saw a lot of Rob Bag in him, a little bit of even Ben Cahoon, if you will. It oh, just says, really? oh, he looks like an absolute perfect slot player, which is great. I mean, that's what uh, these, uh, you know, that's what uh, Bag and Cahoon were. They were, mind you, they were Canadian and Harper is not, but still, this, that, that style of play that we haven't seen in a while. And again, this is. I think now he, I think Harper has to realize that this is going to be his opportunity, especially if Williams is out. God forbid he's out long term. Maybe uh, based on the strength of what he did against Ottawa, this could be the chance for him to shine and show that he belongs in a CFL uniform. So 
let's see what happens. Uh, not, we don't know too much about him yet, but uh, I think just what we've seen so far, at least people are sitting up and taking notice as to who number six on the Alouettes is. We also we need to keep we also need to keep an eye our eye on the transaction wire to see if anything if they sign anybody or where they put them on the practice roster. We need to check their moves. We'll, we'll see what what the, what the team does. Uh, nothing will be done this week, I'm sure, but next week it'll be interesting to see what what the team actually does. Other concerning things that we came about, and this is one that goes to the, to the play itself of, of the team, Cliff. Um, the last two games, the Alouettes have gone a combined 6 of 35 on second down. That's 17.1% on second down. The league average at the beginning of week four, Cliff, was at 47.1%. When you're that low, I mean, the Owls have had, uh, they, they got three second downs. They converted three second downs. In each of the last two games, you're not getting. Uh, remember, remember, I was reading off that stretch. I think it was eight straight punts. Well, that's there. There you go. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win games unless you score everything on first down, or you get mm-hmm. first down to first down to first down to first down. But that's bad, dude, because you're going to either put yourself because the, the Owls, you know, when they did rush and they did get the second down, I, they were short. They were short. You know, second and short most of the time. Yeah. But six and thirty-five, they got to improve something. And this is what I talk about when it comes to execution. And again, Coach Sherman did talk about this, is the fact that we, we're not making the plays that we need to make. And I I absolutely agree. Uh, some of these plays you have to convert. And the fact that the Elwoods are so low at converting on second down, it, it it's troubling. It's it's definitely troubling, especially when you've got the playmakers that we do. And we and again, what's Chris, or not Chris Jones, Kahari Jones. Uh, yeah. Some of his play calling, I think, was a, a a little suspect to be honest with you and i can't help but wonder like does this all tie in together or like what uh, what's the thought process i understand you know he's working with a new quarterback uh, and trying to adapt as best as possible but i mean we were seeing a lot of these problems too when drew willie was the quarterback so i mean really what what's going from the coach's mouth to the player's ears something's getting lost along the way and yeah. it, it's just it's got to be cleaned up that's all there is to it is it's just little things like that, but all these little things now you're starting to see are building and building, and that's how you end up down by ten and still not able to make that comeback, which everybody's kind of expecting you to do, especially with how the CFL is played. Is that fourth quarter is supposed to be most exciting as a result, and that's why you can supposedly sell tickets for that fourth quarter. Ugh. But I got one of those emails, by the way. Oh, did you? Yes, but I went to see if there's, if I could buy anything, and at the point, because I think they said you could buy them within, within 72 hours, I thought it was. Nope. Mm-hmm. I, I can never buy something. I, I'm starting to think more and more that this was just like either an April Fool's joke or like someone just did this as a rib and just like sort of threw it out there like, haha, that's funny. And then someone accidentally went and published it because, yeah, yeah people are certainly still loving to drag the Alouettes for it. And hey, at this point, it's well-deserved because, I mean, this this promotion is just asking for trouble. You're just asking to be picked on, quite and frankly. Not, again, I, I know I've mentioned it in, in shows before. They're not promoting it on the website. Why well, should, that's well, just it. Why would they? You know, they, you want to get somebody in into the stands to, to see the game, and they're having problems doing that, and that, that that's our next topic here, too. Is, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, I don't know. I, I, an April Fool's joke in, in June, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible at all. Before we continue, do not forget that we are on social media. There are a couple places that you can follow us here at the Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, do not forget that you can head over 
to our Twitter account. That's uh, Alouette's FL Deck. You can head over to our Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And now there are multitudes of different ways that you can listen to us if you happen to miss the show or if you want to listen to some of our archive shows. One of the easiest ways is to head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca and you can see all of our shows. If you want to go another route, there are other ways that you can do that too. You can head over to the uh, uh, to uh, Apple Podcasts over on iTunes. You can head over to Google Play Music. And now, as of last week, you can head over to... Uh, to, I was going to say uh, tune in radio, but that, that's coming up, uh, to Stitcher. And you can also listen to us over on Spotify. Just do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck. There you go. So many different ways to be able to listen. There's, quite frankly, folks, there's no excuse not to listen to us. Don't say, well, I don't have an Apple product because I, so I can't use iTunes. Like, great. We've got Google Play Music. We've got Spotify. We've got Stitcher. Help go to the website if you're on your computer and you don't have a portable device. There's no shortage of ways to be able to enjoy this rather fine podcast. So I invite everyone to check it out. Check out the archived episodes as well. And uh, yeah, tune in, share, download them, let everybody know what's happening, and, uh, and please give, keep and on listening. It, and give us a rating too on on uh, on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Um, we were talking about it before. We're having problems doing certain things. Uh, Cliff, this was this was frustrating because you and I were talking about this. And we weren't sure, and I swear the crowds almost looked the identical of the, the two last two home games. But and then there was an announced attendance on Friday of sixteen thousand seven hundred and eighteen versus Ottawa. Mm-hmm. What is so concerning about that, Cliff, is that that was the first so that was the first sub seventeen thousand uh, game. Since 16,205 showed up versus Winnipeg in October of 98. And by the way, funny point about that Winnipeg game, that was the game that Mike Pringle broke 2,000 yards. And only oh. 16,000 showed up. But, but still, we, we're in a stadium that holds 25 or just under 25. And they only we only draw in 16. Yep. Now, I don't know if it was the weather. because I will admit, the weather was chilly considering we just come off that long stretch and long heat wave here in Montreal. Right, but there was no inclement weather. That's the thing that I mean. You can't blame it on that. No. I mean, we uh, like yeah, sitting in a well, we, sitting outdoors when it's like a plus forty out with the humidex. Yeah, maybe it's not all that appealing. But the weather was really nice. Yeah, it's not like the so, rain that we sat through on in, on the Thanksgiving last year, for example. Yeah, but what needs to be done here, Cliff? Because this is and now, and I think, and I made the comment. You know, Alwit, nobody's going to sit and come and watch a game when the team is not competitive. And another point was made by an, by an Ottawa fan is that think of how many think of how much lower that would have been because there were a ton of Ottawa fans in the crowd. It's true. Uh, our nation does travel pretty well, and it's not that far from Ottawa to Montreal, so it's no problem for them to jump in their cars or everybody take a bus and come on down and watch the game. And that's what they did. They showed up and they showed out. They brought the noise for their yep. – you, you could tell. Yeah, we had a group when, over by us. We just we yeah. had a small group over by us. Absolutely, uh, it was incredible. I mean, it's, like this is there's a ton of support, and Montreal fans are just sitting there on their hands doing nothing. Or when they are actually making noise, it's because the team's on offense, or they're too busy trying to make a you know with their selfie sticks trying to make a cute story on Instagram <laughs> or some bull <laughs> like that. I think there's they're more interested in other things other than the game, and that that's the crowd that this organization has been inviting now. And they showed up, but you're you're basically ruining it for the football fans. 
And I, I kind of get the impression nowadays that they don't care whose money they have as long as they have money. And fair. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the Alouettes organization, their job is to sell tickets. But you're also supposed to be selling the football experience, which I feel they have not been doing. And sooner or later, like those hardcore football fans are just going to say, the hell with it. I'm just going to watch it at home. At least I have control there. Uh, beer is going to be a lot cheaper for sure. And quite frankly, I'm just going to enjoy the experience much better because I'm not have to deal with some Yahoo, you know, trying to up their selfie game versus trying to see, trying to support the team and make noise on defense and do all the things that you're supposed to do at a football game. And I think it really comes down to lack of education. Like, we got so many volunteers that work at Percival Molson Stadium. I guarantee I, I could probably count on one hand the number of uh, those volunteers that actually knows a bloody thing about football. And that's really troubling. Because it's one thing to sit and bitch about the fact that the fans that come in and they get free tickets from their boss at work and they don't know a bloody thing about football. Okay, fair. Sometimes that like some, you got to learn somewhere, right? But who's educating them? Who's teaching them why you have to stand up on uh, on defense and make noise? Who's teaching them that uh, you know first down, everybody stands up and and points, little things like that. Like instead of everybody else uh, sitting around looking like idiots. I'm wondering why why these you know quote unquote fans are making noise at certain times. Educate them, and this team used to be able to used to be able to do that, but that just got lost along the way because I really think that the whole football thing has sort of taken a backseat to selling an experience, but not necessarily a football experience. And it's really sad because I love football. I have watched this sport nearly my entire life, and I will always go to games because that's what I love to do. And I, I guess this team is hoping that someone else is coming to the game for the first time. Maybe they will fall in love with the game itself, especially if the Alouettes are winning. That I mean, again, winning cures everything. But at the same time, how can they enjoy the game when there's so many other distractions going on that you, you forget about why you're there in the first place? And it's to watch football. And I, I tell you, watching the game out in Saskatchewan, those fans there, yeah, they're young. They're they're probably too all about the selfies and social media and all that jazz. But you know what? They were engaged in the football game. There was no t-shirt tosses. There was no uh, other nonsense like that. I mean, they were there to watch a football game and they were into the game and they paid attention when they had to. It's not that hard, people. I, I just wish there was a way that Montreal, the, the Alouettes organization itself, could just properly educate people as they come in or throughout the game as well and explain why it's so important to make noise at certain times, why you've got to cheer at certain times, and so on and so forth. It's it's such a crucial element to making this game so enjoyable, not just for the people that are the hardcore fans, but for everybody as well. Because yeah. if they don't do these things, then... People are just going to show up and, you know, you, you know, maybe they will drop $100 dollars for buying the $7 beer and buying T-shirts and hoodies and all that stuff. And that's great. Yeah, it's great for the pocketbook. But, again, you, if you're thinking long term, this is the thing I, I really wish the Alouettes organization would pay attention to is just the kind of people you're trying to cultivate, trying to, that, that, that culture that you're trying to develop here. Yeah. Is it a football culture or is it just someone who's going to come and empty their wallet every, you know, for 10 days out of the year? I really think that's an important thing more than anything else, and I sincerely hope that in time this uh, this organization understands that and tries to find a balance between two because both are crucial, but just find a way to really enhance the football part of things. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? At least that's all, at least that's what I thought I was there for. Well, we're, we're there, yeah, we're there for something. But by, by the way, I did, I don't think I I knew you talked about this, but uh, nothing like a hot take or a rant rant from Cliff to 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 blow things. Oh wait, wait, Cliff. This has just been handed to me. 
Cliff's rant, Cliff's last rant was brought to you by Preparation H because he will tell you when something is a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> I, I new fans, I get it. New fans, you gotta learn. The experience is everything, and I guess I don't notice the selfie things as much as you do. But I mean, it's you're gonna get people who don't necessarily know the game all the time, and it's not to take away from your rant at all. I, I completely get what you're saying. Um, I, I wouldn't mind. I'm sure the same thing with you. I would not mind having a newbie sitting next to me and us having and having to explain the game. I wouldn't mind doing that at all. The little niches and stuff like that, and the little quirks of the game. I wouldn't mind. It 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 goes with the goes with the game itself. Or better yet, and this is something I've suggested too in the past, is again, you've got all these volunteers and everything like that that are, you know, showing you how to get to your seat and everything like that. But I would just like someone to be like just hand out a card to people. That, like, ask them, hey, is this your first time here at Personal Molson Stadium? Is this your first football game? Yes. Great. Let me give you something. And in English and in French, just a little pamphlet, if you will, just explaining some of these little nuances. Like, for example, why do you make noise when the team is on defense? Just little things like that. And then maybe yeah, people would understand. Yeah, but that gets off kitschy. That's, 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 you know what? I understand your point, but that sort of, sort of comes off sort of like what they did last year with uh, at the beginning. Remember we had our cheer practice at the beginning of the, sta- of the, of the game? Mm-hmm. That, come on. You don't need cheer practice. I agree. You, you shouldn't need cheer practice, but so like I said, just little things like that. Like, for example, explain why, at least if nothing else, explain why you have to be quiet on yeah. offense. And I remember, like, remember back in the day, they would also put up like a, a thing on the video board saying, uh, shh, Anthony Calvillo at work. Yeah. Everybody be quiet kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. Like, just same idea. Like, but remember, just, we also had we also had Ottawa fans in the crowd too. I don't know. Based on the Winnipeg game, are you? Did you notice more of that at the Winnipeg game, or I, I noticed a lot more. Not necessarily the like Winnipeg fans per se, because it wasn't as many. And even then, like, you're not wrong in that sense with the Ottawa fans. But I mean, to blame 150, and I'm being gen- probably generous with that. Let's say 150, just be safe. Ottawa fans in a, a out of 16,000 to blame to. To say that they're the reason why I think uh, things things were being disruptive is is it doesn't fly with me. Right. A, a lot of it really just comes down to lack of education, and it could just be something simple as when the team's got the ball, just put up that notice saying "offense at work" kind of thing, like yeah. just to keep it quiet. And again, if you're gonna do like t-shirt tosses and to which they forgot by the promotion. way, they started that t-shirt tosser Budweiser, but no t-shirts came out. Did you notice <laughs> well, that? I, I did. I think they're just sort of handing them off to people, not necessarily throwing them. <laughs> so, like, okay, fine. But again, I, I've got no problem with those per se, as hard as it is believed, but there's a time and a place for it. And the time to do it is not before Jeff Matthews is about to snap the ball and throw it to someone. Well, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's with scheduling. You and I both know that everything's, everything's laid out to the T when it comes to, to breaks. But that, that's on them. I mean, we've had, I mean, how many times can we count that, that the, that the Owls uh, cheer team has come out there and not just this year, but they've come out there and that they've been interrupted by because they came out and the, the break went shorter than they expected. Hmm. So, but again, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's just little things more than anything else. It's just, if someone was there to sort of oversee this and just sort of say, Hey, whoa, whoa wait a minute, let's save the t-shirt toss for the next series. For example, didn't they, also, didn't, it seems like they also got rid of the, uh, the, the, the ball catching at the beginning of the game, of the, of the game. Remember pre-game when they would come out there? Or did, did, do they still do that with the, with, uh, with, with the jugs machine? No, I don't. I don't think they I haven't, do. I haven't seen it in a while. At least this year, yeah. All right. Um, there is no game this week, but there are a couple other things that we wanted to still talk about from from this past week's game that that 
Um, and we don't want to come off seeming like like you know like like homers on this, but some of them just were just so blatant, and it, it's we didn't don't know what the cause would actually be. First, let's go in and let's talk about one of the things that uh, more or less raises its head over the I think maybe within the past twenty four hours. Uh, everybody saw the hit, and TSN even promoted it, and I mean, it was one great hit that was done by Terrell Sutton uh, in the it was the second half, and he went helmet to helmet with the player. It looked like he's the one who did cause it. And then former Alouette Kyrie Zaber pipes up. The, by the way, the guy who just recently was suspended for a, a what is a, a great, was a hit that was obvious that needed to be suspended for. And he, he, he had done the same thing too with the Alouette, so I'm not, I'm not defending him with either, with either team. But he, goes, he comes off at Cliff and he's saying that, oh, well, why isn't, why isn't Sutton being suspended? You know, double standard, this type of thing, blah, 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 blah. Well, and again, uh, definitely it comes, it may on first notice uh, come across as the pot calling the kettle black when it comes to Kyrie Saber complaining about someone delivering a headshot. Uh, to me, like, I looked at that play a few times with Sutton, and I mean, it was just, it, it was a, a tough physical play. I, I honestly didn't think he, it, there was any uh, intent on Sutton's part. I think he was just, Trying to, if anything, just lower his shoulder and try to knock the guy down, which Unlike he did. He, Kyrie's a bear. Yeah, here's the difference though. Kyrie's left his feet to yeah, yeah. to attack the, and actually targeted the head of Devaris Daniels he from the Stampeders. He launched it. He did. He became a projectile, yep. a missile. Yep. Whereas Sutton was just playing the ball as he normally does. He was running like he normally does. And I, I honestly think that uh, it was just lowering the shoulder and probably just lowered it just a little too much. And unfortunately, a little bit of helmet to helmet occurred. It happens. Uh, uh, to me, though, if you're going to suspend or find Sutton for that, it's a little bit hypocritical because, like you said, TSN's been hyping the hell out of that play. Uh, it even got some love from uh, ESPN's uh, NFL uh, Twitter account. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. They're, they're talking about the fact, hey, you, hey, fans, you're missing football? Check out this CFL move. And sure enough, they, they show Sutty you know, trucking this guy. And they're even talking about it. it's a truck stick move, which if you play Madden, that's pretty much what you do is uh, use that move to just run people over. And if you're if you're going to promote all that and if you're going to try and benefit that and then you're going to turn around and find Sutton for that, uh, that would that would not sit well with me. And I definitely think if if Sutton were to be fined or suspended for something like that, I I would personally be. I don't think even disappointed would come close to expressing how I would feel about that. I'd say, but he didn't remember. Kyrie was, was almost suspended immediately. But again, like you're, you can't really compare the two instances. I mean, it's. I would almost say that it was more of a heat of the moment thing when it came to Sutton's helmet to helmet contact. Whereas, I'm sorry, I I, I think the world to Kyrie's a bear, but I mean, dude left his feet to take this guy out and nearly decapitated him. That I'm sorry, definitely warranted. A heavy fine and suspension, which, which is what happened. Yeah, um, and then it's, we're talking about plays that seem a little weird. And this is where we're we're thinking. And this I, again, it's not sour grapes because I, I've already spoken to a few people within the league, and it's they've had total different views of this. First was the um, yeah, let's go with, let's go with the, the Matthews hit in the uh, what quarter was it? Was the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter, okay. where Montreal used their challenge to to replay a uh, what did look like a roughing the passer call or at least a hand or a blow to the head to Alouette's quarterback Matthews. And I don't know if you noticed it, Cliff, but 
Matthews, as soon as the play occurred, Matthews came off the field and immediately was saying he was so adamant and he was putting, you know, hand to the helmet. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, if you saw his reaction. Yep. And they challenged it because it seemed pretty straightforward. I'm sure you went back and looked at it too, Cliff. And the league, as much as I love them, I, I they got it wrong on this one. The command center completely got this wrong. And paraphrasing, what what did the league say? They they were promoting it. They what they will do, by the way, if you don't know already, they will go. They will explain a call over on uh, CFL Football Ops over on Twitter. Uh, that that used to be the old CFL uh, stat research uh, uh, Twitter account. Um, what's what, what basically? What what did they say? Well, pretty much they just said that it was it was not. Uh, roughing the passer, which is ridiculous because the way that they've been calling roughing the passer pretty much entails this particular call. I mean, maybe you and I, maybe it wasn't as blatant as far as roughing the passer goes, but pretty much as soon as you put your hands on the quarterback, especially up in his face, I'm sorry, the, by, by the letter of the law, the way that it's been called over the past couple of seasons, that is roughing the passer. And to not call it as such, to me, looked... Uh, Look! Look ridiculous. Yeah, here, here it is. I found it by the way. So it's play number one forty. Out of the witch challenge, looking for roughing the passer. After review, the replay official ruled contact didn't. This is where this is what gets me. Contact did not meet the. What's it say? Uh, meet the forcible blow standards required for a penalty flag. Ruling on the field stands, and then they followed up with it for the foul to be called when the passer is contacted in the head or neck. The defender must quote unquote deliver a blow. Slight and incidental contact shall not be a foul. And from what I am hearing, Cliff, there's no way in hell that it was slight or incidental. Uh-huh. Now, did, did you go back and you watch that play too? Yes. And do you think it's total bunk? Of course it's bunk. Because again, if that was Mike Riley getting those hands to the face, oh yeah, they'd, yeah. they'd call it all day long. Yeah. In fact, I recall there was, I think it was two years ago, Montreal was called for roughing the passer on a, a very similar play. And to, Matt, to say, was that the Matt Nichols play in the game that they, the, the game that they choked on? No, it was Mike Riley. I think that happened, what happened also on that last drive in, uh, in Winnipeg. Oh, last year. Yes. I, yeah, I know so, sorry. About. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last year. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, same. Well, don't forget that uh, Nichols kind of turtled yeah, a little Nichols bit as well. Turtled. So, I mean, Yes, there was contact. There was, you know, f- sustainable force, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, I, I still remember the, the the call against Mike Riley. I do remember that clearly because it really was a very similar instance where it was kind of hands to the face, and there was contact, but not, again, just using those words, not a sustainable force. But the flag flew, flew any ways, and Montreal was charged with roughing the passer. So at that point, the the precedent had already been set. So for for the for the referees not to call roughing the passer on Ottawa this past Friday for that same instance, it, it just about to go go. I was just about to go to that one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Like you're 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 picking and choosing essentially. You're cherry picking what you want to consider or what you consider to be this uh, sustainable force. And it to me, it's it's ridiculous. Like either call it all or don't call it at all. Like you can't like be consistent if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, that play that we're talking about was uh, the drive, the last drive by Ottawa in the in the second quarter, uh, where Trevor Harris passed to uh, to Spencer at the Montreal eleven, and not only did one ref throw the flag, but two. And then you look at the replay; it was 
it was so obvious that it was not PI. There was no way there was DPI on that one. Nope, but uh, Tommy Campbell is just a just seems to be a target no matter what. So, yeah, it was it was just. Uh. And yeah. I guess yes, you're saying okay. Well, Tim, you're a homer. You, you're, this is just sour grapes. As I said, I've spoken to people who ha- are not involved with the Alouettes in any way, shape, or form, and both these two plays were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm just paraphrasing what they've said. It's just ridiculous what 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 occurred. No, uh, I mean yes, okay, yes. The Alouettes did still lose with the seven points has made a difference. You know, I had some people say, well, why did they challenge to play then? On the PI, at that point in time, there's no reason to call to call to challenge the PI because they're so close. Mm-hmm. They saved it when they needed to, even though it ended up being, you know, it, not getting it correct, uh, it being turned down. Um, and to, to your points, yeah, the whether we got these challenges successful or not, would they have made a difference points wise? Who's to say? Game I would mean, have been it's... closer. Game would have been closer in the, in the fourth quarter. They would only be down by three. But the Owls had their chances in the fourth quarter, big time, and. Again, speaking to like it, we keep saying this over and over again, but the execution for a lot of these things, and one particular instance that I really didn't understand, I alluded to it earlier, was uh, Vernon Adams coming into the game. Yeah, for one play essentially, it was a drop play. He gained a whole yard, and then sub back out for Matthews again, and then Matthews is nearly picked off. Yeah, throws a wobbly duck, nearly gets picked off as a result, and. Your series is over, just like that. Like, the, what, what was the point of bringing Vernon Adams in? Like, oh, if you want to bring him in for one or two series, I get that. Just to sort of maybe let Matthew see things a little bit differently from the sidelines. Or also, too, just to see if maybe Vernon Adams could spark something. That's mm-hmm. always a possibility, too. But you brought him in for one play. And not, it wasn't even like a short yardage thing to keep the drive alive. It, it literally was, okay, I'm going to try this and see if I can catch him napping and no, I can't. Yeah. And then you just you, you abandon it right there. And then Matthews comes in and throws just a, a horrible pass. Like I said, his a lot of his reads were not very good. And yeah, it, I, I just don't understand it. Like this, it's that kind of play calling. I'm just sitting there like, what the hell? Like what for all the hype for everything that I've talked about with Kahari Jones about how he's done a tremendous job rewriting this playbook and he's going to change a lot of things and get get the offense a lot more engaged and all that stuff. But we're just seeing the same stuff over and over again. Like, it's the same predictable, bland playbook, which is disheartening because we've seen this before with all the other OCs, uh, with Mike Miller, with Turk Schonert, and yes, God love him, even Anthony Calvillo. The same boring crap over and over again. And I really, truly thought that with Kahari Jones coming in, trying to shake things up, we just might see some different stuff. But... And again, I don't know if it's because of the personnel or if it's because they just can't get out of their own way when it comes to the play calling. But it, we're seeing the same stuff over and over again. And teams are, are clearly picking up on it. And this, this is this is the part that really blows my mind is how can you keep trotting out the same crap over and over again and expecting it to work? Like other than like one or two plays here and there where you actually do catch them napping, it's the same predictable offense over and over again. And I'm confused as to why we keep seeing this. Yeah, it's the Owls get a bye week. It's something that is, uh, you know, it's, it's for their first of three. I'm curious to see what changes that they can make uh, within it. Uh, if we can get another way, I mean, it is a tough road. I mean, we got Calgary at, in Calgary. Um, yeah, I think that's like next to BC, going out to BC, like that's another guaranteed loss. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I'm curious to see what the line's going to be when the line does come out for that game. 
By the way, some some announcements um, that the Alouettes let us know about. First and foremost, that the, if you are a season ticket holder, if you if you don't know already, do not forget that this Saturday is season ticket holders day or whatever they call it, season ticket fan day. Um, if you went to it last year, it's uh, the the guys from the uh, uh, the uh, the Alouettes uh, boutique will be there with selling merch. I'm sure they're gonna have a, a good discount on some stuff like they did last year, and some players uh, just come out there and have a good time because I know Cliff, we had a good time last year being able to chat with everybody, including including my season ticket guy. See, even talking to Serge. Second of all, the team announced that they are having another fan trip this year. This time it is going. It's not going to be the train variety, but it is going to be the bus variety. I haven't checked. I haven't actually haven't checked to see the the specifics on it. Uh, but it is going out to the Ottawa game in Ottawa on August 11th, I think it was, Cliff. Yep. Um, and it is for a grant. I think it's like 69 bucks or 89 bucks. It's a ve- it's very it's a decent price. If you don't if you don't have a car, it's a decent price to get out there and to have a game ticket included. That's pretty good. Yeah, and again, if you've never been to TD Place, I mean, it is definitely a great place to watch a football game. Uh, fans are are jacked up. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, this like where the stadium is located in downtown Ottawa is it's phenomenal. It definitely makes for a very great evening. I mean, you talk about this too. Saturday night games are always fun. Uh, you don't have to work the next day ideally. So yeah, if, if you get a chance, folks uh, get on this bus, uh, come support your team. And I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at just how well Alouette's nation travels as well, because I know a lot of the diehard fans will be on this trip as well. And we'll make that uh, pilgrimage to Ottawa to support the Alouettes. I, I'd like to see. I say I don't know how many buses they've got set aside, but yeah, I don't if know. we can get like one, or, if we can get one or two buses going, I think that'd be great. I mean, just sort of to counter the fact that our nation came down to Montreal to watch the game, if Alouette's nation can go and invade their house a little bit and bring some of that noise, uh, again, the Alouettes don't always play poorly at TD Place. That's one thing to consider is know, that they've had a couple they've had a couple of stinkers there, don't get me wrong, but they've also had some pretty phenomenal games there. So this could be the one. This could be one of those games where Montreal figures it out and maybe without the pressure of being at home, I don't know, maybe that's the reason why they can't seem to get it going, but uh, uh, if you get a chance, folks, definitely get on that bus, come out to TD Place and uh, and support your team for crying out loud. Yeah, you got a couple of offers coming up too. Uh, the, me, the, the Me Plus 3 4 pack uh, for the Thursday night game on July 26th, uh, four regular season tickets for the price of three. By the way, a small correction on my part. Yes, the Alouettes are promoting the Q4 tickets. That's under the tickets section. I don't see anything yet, though, when it comes to... Maybe I haven't received an email yet uh, about the trip on August 11th uh, to Ottawa. But if once we do get some more information, we will make sure that we... Um, that we let you guys know about it. And last but not least, do not forget that I think it's this Sunday and the following Sunday, the Owls are doing, uh, is it family football days? Uh, is that what it's called? Um, where you can sign up with your child and you two, you will all go meet Alouette players and go through the ins and outs of what it is to be a football player. Uh, head over to the uh, Alouette's website for more information. Um, but that, that sounds cool. If I had a kid, Oops. I'd bring mine. Hey, can I be can I be your kid? Sure, I think that'd be conceivable. Yay! I'm going. For, can we go for ice cream afterwards? Oh, whoa! You gotta clean your room first. Aww, nah, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so, Cliff, speaking of the family day, uh, the the fan day, I will see you this week. I will uh, I will get in touch with you, obviously, because we will meet up there. Um, do, and again, there is no game this week. 
but we do uh, go out and support the CFL any way, shape, shape, or form, a way that you can. Boy, that was so horrible. Wow. Go, go out and support the CFL as best as possible, even though we don't have, don't, there is no game this week. Um, watch it on TV. Talk about it. Tweet about it. We know Cliff will. I may from, from, from time it, to time. So It's what I do. Exactly. So, so, Cliff, I will talk to you soon. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.